0: Hi, this is Feed Play Love, the parenting podcast that you can fit in your pocket. Short, informative, and interesting interviews about everything from toilet training to how emotion coaching works. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. The next interview is one of the diamonds from our archive. Enjoy. After you have children, the method by which they were conceived can fall by the wayside. It's kind of ironic. But also, it's a very normal story, at least according to my fellow parents. Mums can be recovering from birth, there's lack of sleep, lack of energy, and this can all contribute to couples feeling less than keen to jump back into bed. Desiree Spearings is the Director of Sexual Health Australia, and she couples counsels on how they can maintain a healthy sexual relationship. Hi, Desiree, how are Hi, you? how are you? Is it possible to actually define a healthy sexual relationship?
1: Yeah, I guess if we are in a relationship, so if we've got a partner, what is a healthy sex life? It's really one where we are both satisfied and each other's needs are getting met. So if we're looking at that, sometimes one feels a little bit disappointed and that can cause other difficulties. So it's really about making sure that we're both happy. And so that might mean that we have to compromise in some areas, but it is about finding that happy medium and making sure sure we spend attention to each other's needs.
0: Do you think parents are really prepared for just the kind of impact and the different kinds of impact of having a baby can have on their relationship? I don't
1: think so. I think that we have a lot of parents out there that have these unrealistic expectations. And when it comes to getting back into the bedroom, we also are told to expect a certain thing. So from a medical point of view, it would be physically okay to have sex after maybe six weeks. But um, that doesn't mean that we are ready and that our bodies are ready to actually want to have sex after six weeks. So we might feel um, mentally, emotionally, and even a bit insecure about our our bodies. So physically not ready to go there. And so then we set up these false expectations, even just by talking to our, our physicians or um and our partners can get that too. So they might go, okay, well, it's been 6 weeks. What's happening? <laughs> Sometimes it can take a whole lot longer than that to actually feel like going there again. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And um yeah, you can feel as a as a the woman who's who's actually given birth. You can feel physically like you've been hit by a truck. So it's the last thing you're thinking of. And and you just touched on something there that I find really interesting. The one thing I wasn't prepared for, which I find hilarious, given the amount of research I like to do just generally in life, was how much my body has changed and how I feel about my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I, of course, had read things and women posting images. This is what my post-baby body looks like, blah, blah, blah. But when it actually came to, especially after finishing breastfeeding my second child, and I looked down and I thought, oh, my God, what's happened there? (laughs) And that has been a very big head shift for me that I wasn't prepared for. I imagine that... that's something that women in particular have to deal with in terms of intimacy with their partner.
1: That's right there's a lot of changes so there's obviously the physical changes and we might yeah we don't look the same as we looked pre-pregnancy. Also we have been pregnant for nine months so and then we have a newborn on the scene so we are maybe even a bit tired there's lots of emotional uh, changes but also hormonal changes so that can have an impact as to whether we even feel in the mood for it. Another thing I tell parents to really be aware of is to realize that when we are raising these children, especially if we're breastfeeding, our skin hunger is already satisfied. We've got a child hanging off us 24 hours and then our partner comes home and goes, okay, let's go for it. It's maybe the last thing we actually feel like because our skin hunger is already satisfied. But if we're then thinking of our partner's skin hunger, they're kind of feeling like, what about me? So there is that kind of struggle there to keep both people kind of happy in that way and to have an understanding. Standing for each other's perspective,
0: and that uh, that term skin hunger, I find quite interesting because it even makes me think of when you talk about elderly people just wanting to be touched on the hand. That's right. Even little moments of intimacy, in terms of um, you know maybe holding hands or touching faces, I find that. Almost all the times that I am physically touching a human being is for my children, whether it's comforting them or just telling them I love them or holding their hand. It's like it's completely focused on them. So when we talk about our relationships with partners, how important is the little stuff as well?
1: Yeah, it's very important because also it kind of sets the scene. So um, I think that there are a lot of other changes when a new baby comes on the scene. We're a lot more tired, there's lots more demands on us. Um, The roles might change. Um, So even just that connection is sometimes hard to find. All of a sudden we go from two people to three and lots of attention has been spent on that third person and the other one like we we don't spend as much time and energy on each other anymore and so we don't go from kind of zero or minus 1000 degrees to 100 degrees to feel like to actually go into that bedroom so um, there's a lot of other things that need to happen before we get there so also the relationship dynamic it's important to look at that as well because lots will have changed and again we go back to those expectations so we didn't expect maybe that our body would change that much we didn't expect that it had such a big impact on how tired we would be or how we emotionally might feel or the stresses that it has or puts on the relationship. So if we have these unrealistic expectations, it does result in um, negative psychological consequences. So it's about accepting that hey, it's not easy, especially when the first baby comes on the scene. There's lots of changes and we have to be understanding of that. And sex might not be the priority, but it's something that we have to look at eventually again Um, so therefore also it's important to talk to your partner about that because often I think we expect that they need to smell and mind trait what it is we're going through (laughs) so it is important to mention listen I'm not ready yet Um, even though the doctor said that I'm you know it's kind of like far away from me still and so and to make them understand what you're going through as well so to be you know, kind of open about that and to not not say anything and them kind of going, okay, well, it's been six weeks, what's happening?
0: So Desiree, when you're talking about the relationship dynamic and the things that can change, what sort of changes are you talking about in terms of um, how you might relate to each other outside of the bedroom?
1: Yeah. So what I'm talking about there is that, okay, there's a lack of sleep. So we're already maybe really tired. There's lots of demands in terms of what the baby is asking for us. There are actually more roles to do. And then again, we feel less tired and we have less time. So also the changes in terms of who does what. Is, is you know can, can kind of bring added stresses additionally there is finances sometimes we're worried about okay how are we gonna go and survive now on one salary so there's other stresses so i guess these changes bring about a lot of feelings of feeling a little bit stressed around how do we manage everything, how do we cope with all of that. So, um, there is more time spent on that and maybe working that out and that also does bring its challenges with it than actually spending time on the relationship. Um, So it's important that we don't go into this, I call it kind of the nagging principle where, you know, a partner might come home and goes, okay, here's the baby, I can't do it anymore. And now do this, this and this and this. I haven't done the dishes and I haven't done that. And that's not really a way of coming home. So when I'm talking about relating to each other, I talk about something that's called giving them the good mirror. So we really choose a partner that overall gives us a good mirror that makes us feel better about ourselves. That when we come home, it's a soft place to fall. you know it's kind of like a safe haven to come home to it's fun it's nice it's lovely but when we think about okay first baby on the scene it might not always feel that way when there's more stuff to do there's lots of stresses there's lots of changes we might not be relating to each other in the nicest way so it's thinking about am I actually giving my partner the good mirror or has this changed to maybe (laughs) the bad mirror like pointing out you haven't done this you haven't done this and I still expect this and this and this and so that's not really the best place to come home to so I often even think of tell tell people just think about it in this way are you actually um giving them um winter or summer so are they coming home to winter or are they coming home to summer and even the first second that they walk into the house make that one count and that will make a big difference so i say have a bit of a softer approach when they walk into that house and kind of greet them nicely first and then go into all of the things that have to be done and it's going to make a difference even if you just spend two minutes improperly greeting each other and two minutes properly parting so when you leave the house to make that count that again can start off um the whole relationship cycle and, and, and at least Remembering that, hey, there was something good about each other as well before <laughs> this baby came on the scene.
0: Now, yeah. I, I have a, a, quite a different situation. Um, I don't think it's that uncommon, but in the sense that my partner is often home at work and I come home to the children crying and screaming. And I'm not saying that he throws that much at me, but it, definitely having been the primary carer at one point, I'm especially conscious of what he's been through in the day and I try to be empathetic to that. Um, is there an element where the other partner, who's the one that's earning the income, hasn't had that experience? So they might not be empathetic to the person who's welcoming, welcoming them home. Do you that, know what I mean? Because yeah. it's not just about the person at home saying, come in, have a, this is your lovely warm home and I love you and blah, blah, blah. Is it also about that person coming home? Um, understanding what kind of day they've had.
1: That, that's right. I think that there is that lack of, well, you know, understanding and getting what they're going through and how hard it is to look after a newborn 24-7 or, you know, children in general. Yeah, I was going mean, to say, hard work.
0: <laughs> I don't have a newborn anymore, but they yeah, still hard work. That's <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah, it doesn't necessarily get much easier. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, for sure. So it is that lack of understanding, but it's often – you know, it's both ways is what I'm saying. So I guess it's you understanding that they've been, they may have also had a bad day at work and vice versa. How is the day at, you know, f- how has the day been for them? So that with that two-minute greeting even, I just say give them something physical like a hug or a, a proper greeting, a bit of a little check-in and then get back on to the things that we have to do. Um, but at least it, it makes the, make those two minutes count because, you know, lots of research says it's the time spent on the relationship that's that defines whether a relationship Last or not, so it's important that we get those minutes in there where we're actually a little bit kind and remember to be that way. Um, and I sometimes think as well, if we do want to rekindle the romance a little bit, it's about asking yourself, Okay, what's more important right now that I clean these dis- dishes or that I give my partner a cuddle and just start there, just even recognizing that it is important to go back there and to reconnect. Because also for children, it's nice to grow up in a happy environment, like and it has a big positive impact on them as well. So it's part of that parenting, I believe. To make sure that the two of you um, stay connected and strong.
0: And so, how important or what do you feel about the concept of date night?
1: Oh, I think it's wonderful. I think that if we don't plan it, it wouldn't happen. So I think planning, there's nothing wrong with, with that. Um, and then at least we can get ready for it. So if we're looking at going one step further, even like how can we make it happen in the bedroom again? Well, if we don't plan it, we might never get there. So we have to kind of plan to get in the mood for these things. So who's got time to shave their legs or do those kinds of things <laughs> and get kind of ready for that? So I think it's important if we plan it, we actually get into that mind space of, okay, we, we get dressed nice again put in a bit of effort and when we plan things like that we might also have time to to get ready a little bit let the babysitter come in a little bit earlier that kind of stuff because I think that's very important to not forget about the relationship and plan it and I think planning is sometimes the only way to go for a while Um, so uh, that we that we don't forget about that another thing I think is very important is to communicate properly so think about Are we actually communicating? Am I actually telling my partner what my concerns are or what I'm missing? Whether it's in the bedroom, whether it's in the relationship or whether it's in terms of what chores they do or don't do. Are we actually telling this to them? And also, how do we deliver it? Do we deliver this in a criticizing way? So are we saying, um, you know, you never do this. You never do the dishes or step it up here or I really need some intimacy. So, you know, it's kind of in that criticizing way. Or are we expressing our longing so we can say, listen, I really have been missing you lately it's a different way of approaching it Um, and it would be lovely if we can snuggle a little bit more and so that way it's a better way of delivering the information as well so thinking about am i actually expecting them to smell or mind treat what i'm needing and if so start speaking up and expressing your longing or your needs instead of the problem and so that is again talking about delivering it in a softer way
0: So for parents, whether they've got a newborn or toddlers or whatever might be going on for them, if their relationship is at a point now where perhaps they are in that sort of combative role where they're just, their focus and their love and attention appears to be on the children, they might be bickering. Do you have any advice on how couples can change that kind of bickering, that kind of tit for tat, I did this, you didn't do that sort of? commentary that can build up over time when you've got small children?
1: Yeah I I often say then to um, you know we we can have something that's called attentional bias so we're, we're starting to only focus on what they haven't done and to actually shift that thinking within yourself so actually focus on what have they done and are we complimenting them on that one so just to get a a friendlier environment at home, and again, a bit more of that summer in there, Um, it's very important because otherwise they do continuously feel criticized and they feel like they're getting that bad mirror. Like, you know, this still needs to be done, that needs to be done. Have you done that? Um, You're not doing this. So instead of that, changing that around and focusing on the things that they are doing to then try to represent that good mirror. Another thing that I think is important, and this is... Especially so for those moms who are, or, or um, parents in general, or, or dads, or um, who are a little bit more perfectionists. So, especially if it used to be just the two of you, you can have everything kind of nice, neat, and organized. And then all of a sudden there's a newborn in the mix, and it doesn't look like that anymore. And it's very hard to juggle it all. And we might feel like we're not doing a good enough job because. We aren't looking the best. We haven't had a shower or there's still dishes in the sink. And I'm saying a bomb big word of advice is to try and live by the good enough principle. So what I mean by that is, if it's in the, at the end of the day, you're sitting on your couch, you've had a really bad day, Um, Instead of going over the to-do list that you actually haven't actually finished off for those tasks that you haven't done, like, oh, I haven't done the dishes, I haven't done my ironing, or I haven't done my washing, or the house is a mess, to look at at it from the good enough principle. Hey, it's good enough. We're all okay. We had a few laughs. I had some lovely cuddles. We're still sitting here on the couch. Let's enjoy each other. And that might help just to to kind of change that mindset that it doesn't have to be perfect to actually be really wonderful.
0: (laughs) Desiree, I think we can wrap up there. That's a lovely spot to end. Thank you so okay, much for your time. That's all
1: right. No problem.
0: Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at parentbrand.com.au. See you next time.